Hello everyone, I'm Bailey. I'm Drew. And I'm Lacey. And, and we're, we're sarcastic, sarcastic, so let's get sinister. So, um, hello. We just wanted to let you know that we are going to be temporarily changing our format for two-part episodes. They'll still be released on the same week on Tuesdays and Fridays, but uh, for the time being, we're going to do single episodes only on Tuesdays, and we will let you know when we go back to the two-a-week format, but for the time being, this is what we're doing. Okay, so, um, so, hello, everybody. Hello. Hey. Would you like to learn about some witches today? Oh. You're going to learn about <laughs> some witches today. I've got two lined up for you. Okay. That's, that's okay. whether we like it or not? Yeah. Okay. Sit down and listen. Great. Um, so, uh, there were maybe three witches, but then my second one ended up being a little bit more involved than I expected, but I think you guys are going to like it. First, I'm going to tell you about Hannah Crana. Hannah Crana. Hannah Crana. I've heard that name before. Why? Have you told me about it before? I don't think so. Another podcast has mentioned it. Yeah, I usually try to keep my stuff close to the chest. Okay. So it's all brand new. Um, Okay, so Hannah Crana. I just like saying her name. It rhymes. Uh, It's from Connecticut. So this is a, she's a U.S. witch. She's a We're not international witch, witch yet. Witch. Yeah. So, first of all, the Salem witch trials, she's not related to the Salem witch trials. They took place in 1692 and 1693. Um, even though we look back at that as, like, all of New England was out to burn witches, New Englanders actually kind of viewed it as the government being out of control. And after the Salem witch trial had kind of ended and word spread about what happened, um, nobody was ever again executed for witchcraft in New England. Yes. Um, we didn't burn witches in the Salem witch trials. That was a European thing. Yeah, we hung them. Or crushed them to death. Yeah. Well, but just saying. Pay attention right. to the history, bro. I know about Hannah Crane. Um, apparently not the oh. witch trials, though. Well, I just, listen, I'm excited. Okay. Keep going. After the Salem witch trials, New Englanders were not enthusiastic about executing witches. Um, and were not quick to call for their execution or accuse people of being witches because they thought it was a lot of government overreach. They thought that things got out of control. Nobody was ever, again, executed for witchcraft in New England. Like, that was it when the Salem witch trials happened. Which um, I think is a fair... Yeah, I think it seems like people look at that and they were like, oh, we it, we went a little too far. Crazy. Yeah. It's double. very much like in, uh, what is it? Anchorman when he's like that escalated quick. Yes. And they recognized it. Yeah. And they said maybe not so much. So um when Hannah Kina rumored were swirling about her being a witch, they weren't too keen to do anything about it because they already had this kind of attitude of we don't need to be messing with this anymore. Um so at the same time there was this Puritan idea of mutual watch which is kind of like citizens keeping an eye on each other and also reporting on each other. Tunnel sailing. So yes, this whole city of Feels like Hill. what Texas is doing. 
Yeah. Yes. This whole idea of a city on a hill, our ideal nation, required vigilance by pastors and people in the community. You prevent one sinner from infecting a whole community. Moldy blueberry. Hashtag Judge Judy. Yes. This was easy in Puritan towns, which tended to consist Have you of- heard that thing? Oh, so, yeah. I'll, I, so, Miss Judge Judy has a saying where- if you buy a pack of blueberries and there's one moldy blueberry, you need to get it out of the pack or it's going to get mold on all the other blueberries. It's the same thing with a person. If you have one moldy blueberry in a pack of people, it's going to tar- start to cause the other people to turn moldy. You need to get that moldy blueberry out so that you have fresh moldy. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Do you, you want those two small blueberries? Yeah, the old moldy blueberries. So be a moldy blueberry, and also don't associate with moldy blueberries. Right. That okay. can pretty much that sums up mutual watch. Um, this was easy in Puritan towns, which usually consisted of fewer than two hundred people. Um, by the early nineteenth century, people were moving away from town centers, and towns were getting bigger. It was much more difficult to do this in larger towns, like the town Hannah lived in, Monroe, Connecticut, which had over a thousand inhabitants. So it's harder to find the moldy blueberry and kick them out. Okay. So Hannah Crana was born in 1783. Very little is known about her early years. Crana was not her actual last name. What? I figured it was a nickname. (laughs) But I don't even... She married a man named Captain Joseph Hovey. And so her name became Hannah Hovey, but I don't even know what her maiden name was. Uh, that's how little is known about her. I know that she lived in the Stepney area of Monroe, and that's all that I know. She married Captain Joseph Hovey. He was probably... He was a captain? Yes. He was probably older than her, but they didn't have any children. Uh-huh. They lived on Cragley Hill. Nearby was a large rock that looked like a cloven footprint. So, like, the devil? Like a hoof. Yeah. Uh, Well, the locals thought that it was later. Rumors began swirling. Uh, The rumors of witchcraft didn't start until her husband died. He went for a walk one night, and he fell over a cliff in an area that he knew well. God, I hate when that happens. Yes. Hard to come back from. And the townspeople said, he knows this area. He wouldn't have walked over a cliff. They thought she cast a spell mm-hmm. that confused mm-hmm. Joseph. And from then on, they called her Hannah Crana. Yeah, I feel and like I've, I've heard the story too. Yeah, and I don't know exactly what that leap came from. I did learn that Crana is Scottish for Rocky. Does that have any bearing here? I don't know. I feel like they were like, it rhymes, let's go with it. Yeah. It's really <laughs> that called witch, it. Hannah Crana. Um, she never remarried. She just lived alone with her chickens and her rooster. Old Boreas. I love that. Old Boreas. Old Boreas. Uh, her property was supposedly guarded by snakes. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta keep and it. And she wore widow's weeds Steve. for the rest of her life. What are... Um, it's... If you picture... I have a picture that I... Like, woman in black. Oh, okay. Widow's weeds. It's what they would wear once they became a widow. That's what she wore for the rest of her life. Got it. Okay. Uh, she got along well with some and not others. Even before her husband died, before there were rumors about witchcraft, she was described as shrewish. Um, she was an yes, it's yes. She was an unpleasant, ill-mannered woman who was very nagging and scolding. Okay, That's a little much. Yeah, Harsh. it seems like what we would say about a woman in the 1700s who 
was independent. No wonder she was labeled a witch. Yeah. Feels like they're Um, bullying her. And they said it got worse after her husband died. Okay, well, she... Often insisted neighbors give her free food and firewood and would threaten or curse them if they refused. To be fair, okay. she, um, she was happy to use her reputation to intimidate as, as her reputation grew. And I think if you have the reputation, you might as well use it. I mean, yeah. However, she was very helpful to those who helped her or treated her with respect. She was rumored to be an excellent healer. They said that she healed a farmer whose legs had been broken in an accident. And she brought a child back from the brink of death after they nearly drowned. So, yeah, that's why. So, if you helped her when she asked for it, if you treated her with respect, she was willing to help you when you needed help. So, if you didn't, she would. You gave her her respect, she'd give you back. Or, you know, give her food when she asked for it. Right. Um, At one point, some locals did formally accuse her of witchcraft, and she was arraigned on charges of consorting with the devil. When town leaders confronted her, she cackled, bent over, and pulled up her skirt. And you know uh, Get it. they said, in quotes, enlightened heads prevailed, and the charges were dropped. And they just kind of moved on from it, kind of tying back. They were like, they didn't want to execute people for witchcraft anymore. They were just like, this is a crazy old lady, and we're not going to. We refuse to. She's leaning into the crazy. Yes. Seems like a safe, <laughs> safe bet. Yeah. Um, rumors of mysterious events solidified her reputation with locals. I already said we had the rumor that her house was guarded by snakes. We talked about how if she she might demand food from you. She had a neighbor who was renowned for her pies. And Hannah went by one day after she'd made a bunch of pies, and she asked for one. And the neighbor gave her the smallest pie. She asked for a larger pie and was refused. She put a spell on the neighbor, and her pies were never as good as once they'd been. Huh. Clear evidence. <laughs> there's, there's nothing to do with maybe like she the crops weren't great or just a story that got exaggerated. Yeah, no, yeah. it was Anna Krana. I feel like the the next time she baked, they were like, "These aren't as good," and she was like, "It was Hannah." <laughs> yeah, she put a spell on me. Um, another time, a young man trespassed on her property to fish in her brook. She cursed him, and he never caught another fish. Can you own your own brook? Yeah, if it's on your property, land, people yeah. can't like go on your property to get. Okay. Yeah, no, that's his it. Wasn't like trespassing. I mean, that's fair. Today he probably would have been shot, so he was lucky. All he did <laughs> never catch another fish. For, for first versus like being. Yeah, I mean, so you can't fish. Learn to hunt. Uh, on another time, two men driving an ox cart full of hay stopped in front of her house because they'd heard about Hannah Crana. They demanded she put on a magical display. And she wouldn't, like, do a show for them like they wanted. But she said to them, before you pass yonder tree, your wish shall be granted. And they just laughed at her and tried to continue on their journey. But the oxen refused to move and the wheels simply fell off their cart. (laughs) Hannah Krana, you're not listening. (laughs) She said, before you pass yonder tree. Your wish shall be granted. And they got a magical display. No, she, she was listening. She just wanted to... Fit. How no. the wheels just fell, fell off. Well, okay. It's witchcraft, Bailey. Okay. You're right. That's why I don't understand. Yeah. Okay, so. In 1859, her pet rooster, Old Boreas, died. Oh, boy. Um, Boreas. Old Boreas was thought to be her familiar. Yeah. Right. Which you could sure. do worse than a rooster. Especially if you're a witch with, like, a bad reputation, because roosters are nasty. But, um... 
Apparently. What is worse than a rooster? Other things. Toes. Oh, okay, got it. Other things. I didn't think of that. Other <laughs> yeah, things. imagine like a fucking guinea pig being your familiar. It's cuddly. When you could have a rooster. Yeah. A ro- roosters will like attack people and stuff. Guinea pigs protect can bite. You. Yeah, but like you can. Also, personally, you've never been chased. I've also right? personally had a rabbit charge me. So they're like cute doing it. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. Um, old Boreas supposedly only crowed at midnight. So the neighbors, I'm sure, loved him. So he's like a grandfather clock. Yes, he seems backwards. Aren't they supposed to crow in the morning? When the sun rises. He's yeah, that's why it was worth mentioning. Technically, midnight is the morning of a new day. So he's just yeah. on a schedule. He was early. He was afraid of being If you're late. on time, you're already late. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. That was his mindset. He is yes. a great soul. Or maybe he is just like, F the neighbors. Everyone's going to We got bitches. Yeah. You guys don't yeah. like Hannah? Nobody, ain't nobody gonna sleep. Was like, 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 and okay, I thought it was three things. That was just the two things. So she wanted to call and carry by. This is a rare, a rare photo discovered or video discovered. Old Boris. Ready? Okay, so Boris. Boris? Boris. He would wake up the neighbors at midnight, right? Yeah. So this is what he was singing in the hen house. What better revenge than to wake them up while they're jeweling in their beds with a nice old big hearty marching band? Who knows? <laughs> Hannah Crana was tossing and turning because they were being mean to her. So anyway. <laughs> so she told a neighbor the next day. She would die soon, and she had some instructions. She wanted her coffin carried to her grave by hand, not by cart, and she wanted to be buried after sundown. Okay. She's like a weird request. But yeah, go on. So she died the next day. I like the sundown thing. It sounds nice, but being carried by hand, like it just sounds bumpy. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I I get the vibe that she wanted to be kind of like as inconvenient as possible. Yeah, and that. The cart seems like it would be easier than hand. Am I wrong? I think it would be easier to carry a coffin by cart on wheels than by hand. Did I make it? Does she live on a hill? Did I make that up? Or? Um, Cragley Hill, I think. Okay. Well, I mean, like, it doesn't really matter because if you're carrying it down the hill, it's not as bad as, like, up hill. So, I, it's, like, it's so, not as in... You want to yeah. hear how it went? Sure. So, the day after this conversation with her neighbor, she died. Oh, Wow. And the neighbors promptly ignored her instructions. Sure. Um, so I don't know. I don't know the time period as far as like how many days it was before they buried her, um, according to the legend or whatever. But it was snowing heavily the day that they were going to take her to the grave. When did she die again? 1859. What what month? Well, it was snowing heavily. Oh, okay. That's so they, the information. Oh, I, would, I thought that that was supposed to be like 
she died in June, but by the time they took her, by the time they took her to the grave, it was snowing heavily, and that was supposed to be the indication that they waited. Yeah, it's kind of like somebody's more realistic idea, but I like this version. Okay, so they were going to bury her. It was snowing heavily, so they were put her coffin on a sled, and they were pulling the sled to the grave. That sounds actually like fun. The coffin slid off, but that's not what she wanted. The coffin slid off all the way back to her front door. (laughs) So they loaded up again. Yeah, if you're not going to fucking listen, she's going to try it again. We we tell people, we tell the kids at the daycare that if they're going to run, they need to start over and try again. (laughs) If they need to run, they can run home. I mean, no, we say go back and try again. Mm -hmm. So that's what she said. She said, you're not going to listen. Yeah. Try it again. So try number two. They loaded her up on the sled. Yep. And they started pulling her and she slid off all the way back to her front door. So this time they so loaded her up again. This and is a the couple, third time. A couple brave souls sat on the coffin. Wow! To weigh it down, and this... they started pulling it, and the coffin began to shake. Because get the, coffin, the fuck off of me! The coffin was too like and getting pushed to the dark. There was the wind. Or wait, yeah, the wind kept taking it. So began to shake, and they said, "That's absolutely the fuck enough." And they got off, and they carried her to her grave. The fuck enough. By the time they carried her to her grave, the sun had gone down. Because they kept trying to do shit not her way. Yes. So she got carried to her grave and was buried after sundown. When the funeral party returned to her home, I like they this found funeral it, party. Yeah. They found it engulfed in flames, which simply solidified her reputation. She is fucking pissed off because you're not listening. Her um gravestone, you can still visit her gravestone. I love that. Where is it's it? In Gregory's, it's in Connecticut. Okay. Uh, I have a picture here. It's in Gregory's Four Corners Burial Ground. On Spring Hill Road in Trumbull, Connecticut, which is next to Monroe, where she was from. Here's a picture of her gravestone. So you're going to read it in there. Okay, so Gregory's... Gregory's Four Corners Burial Ground in Trumbull, Connecticut. I've already... Principal Trumbull. Sometimes a spectral figure appears and causes passing cars to crash. Um, It is... Her gravestone is marked Hannah Crana instead of Hannah Hovey. Rude. Um, it's at the front of the cemetery, close to the street, and it's open to the public. Now, putting this out there, people who are maybe a little bit more realistic about Hannah, um, her gravestone says born 1783, and then for the die death date, it says 1859-260, and they say probably, because she was an old cranky woman who lived alone, she died in the winter yeah. of 59, it wasn't discovered until the spring of 60, uh-huh. and that's why her the date says that on there. Here's Hannah... And toads. I don't know. I don't know Did you why. say Hannah and toads? Yeah. Is, is there any reason why there are toads? Or is that just like a... Because she's Hannah with I, I put Hannah and uh, the images just to see what would come up. Uh-huh. And this one was pretty popular. I feel like they took artistic liberties with her nose. It's gonna say. Being it, with the fact know, that she's a witch. You, you know, um, um... Monty Python, when they put the fake nose on her, yes. it looks like there's even like a little break between yeah. the nose and the face. Let's notice this. These two guys over here, so these two over here look like big toads, but the one closer to her that she's feeding doesn't look like a little demon or a goblin instead of a toad. It, yes. Yeah. It has like a weird tail and horns. Yeah. Okay, so that's Hannah Crana. So kind of fun one. Yeah. I'm excited to tell you about this one. 
You were excited to tell us about Hannah, too. You're I'm always excited. You're just excited to tell us. Yeah. You should volunteer to do more cases. I, listen, I, it's so <laughs> when the summer comes, I'll be knocking out so many. Perfect. Um, it's so like here's... Not even uh, you're already promising summer. Okay. Next one. So the next which I'm going to tell you guys about is actually from France. So a lot of French names in here. None of them are going to be right. Good. I love that, like... Except for maybe the witch, because I did Google how to pronounce her name. La Vosson. You're so... I love that for you. To yeah. Try to do that. It's a really great... I like croissant. I don't know. But Vosson. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it like that every time. It's going to get no, exhausted. No, I insist that you do. La Vosson. The rest of the names, they're going to be very Americanized. Um, so her birth name was Catherine Deshay. She was born in 1640. She married Antoine Monvulson. Monvulson. You're doing great. Thank you. When she was 20. Not much known about her early life. We can assume that she grew up in poverty because she learned fortune telling at the age of nine and became a master fortune teller. And the reason we assume that means poverty is because she uses it to grift people out of money. And not many nine-year-olds learned to do that unless they were growing up in poverty. Or gypsies. Sure. Um, she, Her husband, Antoine, was a jeweler and a silk merchant. However, shortly after they got married, his business began failing, which led to bankruptcy. Catherine refused to return to poverty and return to her roots, which was telling fortunes. Okay. So, she uh, would... Well, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. She regularly attended church. She was supporting a family of six, including her husband, her mother, um, herself, and her children. It just said children. I'm assuming that there were three, because family of six, taking her mom and husband out, three kids. Strong deductions. He had at least six lovers. Um, that we have names for, that we you like know who they were. Six? At least six. We have six named lovers. One of them was an executioner, Andre. Oh, I wish I hadn't started saying names. Andre Guillaume. Why don't you just, <laughs> you just say their first names? Oh, okay. Let me see. Oh, French. I know. Okay. I'm so, not French. So, not ex- French. Executioner Andre. Hold on. I just want to say I am not French. Julian. Okay. Because I know G-U, I think is pronounced like a G- J. Oh, I thought it was... Okay, Goul- okay. Goulian? Sure. Monsieur Latour? Yeah. The Vicomte de... De... France. Count de La The alchemist... Letters. The architect... Fauché. Sure. And the magician... Adam Lassange. Adam did Let's just like go to Quebec or France? We did, didn't we? We're, we're in Paris. It's like, oh. wow. Yeah. Um, wow. You know why? You know why I thought I might be able to help is because no. I've been like studying French words for one of my upcoming cases. Oh. Um, oh, you're putting more effort in already than I did. Yeah, I have like a broken breaking down because like I got names. Yeah. I've got. Like, for example, mm-hmm. you know how we spell Xavier yeah. here with an X? Yeah. That's in, apparently in France, that name is spelled Javier. Yeah. What do you mean, yeah? <laughs> Javier to Xavier makes a lot of sense to me. The only thing that's different is the first letter.
Carry on. Adam massaged a magician, one of her lovers. He tried to convince her to kill her husband, and he had her on board, but she eventually changed her mind. Was he also a hypnotist? Who's to say? Well, she changed her mind, so she she wasn't good at it. What did her husband do again? He was a jeweler and a silk merchant, and that's pretty much all we know about him. I think he was pretty much useless. (laughs) It seems to me once she started making money, because she started bringing in money, he was like, I can absolutely be a kept man. I'm going to clean the house. I'll handle this. He's a magician. Adam was one of his lovers. He was a magician. Uh, so, executioner, magician, architect, alchemist, and then some, the Viscount, the Count, Monsieur. So, just people who have so money. Magician yeah. was trying to steal her away from her husband. Yes. And it almost worked. I mean, out of those careers, I feel like magicians love I mean, always. She was She's probably trying she was to. a fortune teller. I feel like they had more things in common than she had in common with her. Yeah, but she doesn't want to bring her work home with her. Yeah. So anyway, she started fortune telling, and she did this by chiromancy, which was just palmistry, another word for palmistry, mm-hmm. and face reading. She had studied this. Face reading? Yes. Yeah. So, like, like reading. But, like, the face. No, yeah. I, I understand. Yeah. Um, by the late 1660s, she was doing so well. Her clientele was the aristocracy in France. She had very wealthy clients. Um, she had, they had gotten a nice home the aristocracy in, I have the French name for this, but I can't. And I looked up what it meant. It's kind of essentially like the stock exchange district in Paris at the time. Okay. She would receive clients at home during the day. And at night she had lavish garden parties. She also spent a lot of money upkeeping the appearance like she got this like silk robe and stuff she really wanted to lean into into the yeah Yeah. um but i mean she was doing very well for himself for herself uh side note i really want to get like rich enough to just have a garden party yes i feel like you have to have like a certain level of wealth for that to be fair i also think maybe you only need a garden Uh, and friends yeah you're halfway there yeah um, now, well, you don't know. She may have a garden. Yeah. You know. Thank you for saying I think our friends. In, in Europe, mm-hmm. I think they just call the garden the lawn. Yeah. You just need a yard. That's the garden. Yeah. That seems like cheating. Although I feel like that is what they mean by garden party, which is yeah. kind of like an outside lawn, party. On like a backyard barbecue. Garden. Yeah. So we can, That's what it is. We, we can have a garden party. We've taken the, the elegance of it and just really wrapped <laughs> it down, down into backyard yeah. barbecue. So um, her activities came to the attention of the church. You may or may not be surprised whether the church disapproved of what she was doing. What? Yeah. In um, so. 1665 or 66, she was called for questioning by like the longest church name. The Congregation <laughs> of the Mission at the St. Vincent de Paul's Order. Um, she convinced the vicars and professors of theology at Sorbonne University and the people at the church that she was simply using talents bestowed upon her by God. Yeah. Okay. And they bought it. And her business was endorsed by the church. All right. Which I think was just so much fun. Um, so she also worked as a midwife, which led to her providing abortions. She learned how to do abortions, which was illegal at the time. Uh-huh. Um, at the time. Her, I mean, I know it still is, but I just want to clarify for everybody sort of. yeah, listening that when she was doing it, definitely was. Um, her clientele was still the aristocrats in France, usually. She had a whole network of abortion providers. Like She had a whole thing going throughout Paris. 
and she would refer clients to these providers and take part of the profit as a fee. Now, when her clients were the aristocrats who were trying to get rid of an unwanted pregnancy, she charged them a lot of money. Uh, what, there were also poor women who would come to her who needed abortions or had had a baby and were like, can't take care of the baby. She would either provide the abortion or get the baby placed, like kind of adopted out mm -hmm. for free. She wouldn't charge the poor women for it. This might not be as kind as it sounds. We're going to find that out later. Um, okay. So she was making money through the fortune telling and through the abortions. Over time, I hit my button. Um, the fortune telling eventually evolved into black magic. So she said she noticed that almost all of her clients wanted one of three things. They wanted somebody, a specific person to fall in love with them. They wanted somebody to die so they could inherit money. Or they wanted their spouse to die so they could marry somebody else that they were in love with. So she decided to offer them magic to make their wishes come true. She would tell them, it will happen if it's God's will, but you can take action to help it along. Initially, she sold amulets and other magical ob objects. Um, for those who wanted somebody to fall in love with them, she made love potions. Oh. A slip to the person. Um, common ingredients in her love potions were bones of toads. I don't know why I didn't just write toad bones. I feel like I was caught up in the witchcraft. Bones, bones of toads. Like I wrote like this. I wrote bones of toads and teeth of moles. Spanish. Bowl? Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. Like right, bowl. I know a bowl is also Oh, um, Spanish Both are fly, like rodents. Yeah. Spanish fly, iron fillings, human blood, and dust of human remains. Common you, ingredients. You forgot to phrase it like the blood of a human. Yes, I did. Um, like a lot but of feeling. when she would have a client who was doing these things and it wasn't working, she would move on to her most radical advice and one of her big money makers, a black mass. Black mass took place in the catacombs beneath her home. And this was an opportunity for the client to pray to Satan for their wish to come true because God wasn't coming through for them. Um, they paid big money to have a black mass and you could pay for as many as you needed to. Okay. The woman, sometimes the woman who needed the service, sometimes just a woman who did this for Vosson would serve as the altar. Like her body would be the altar. They would place a bowl upon her and a baby's blood would be poured into the bowl. This is where we come to, maybe she wasn't helping these poor women out of the goodness of her heart. Um, there were rumors that the babies she placed for adoption were just used for her black mass. Yes. Let's see that. Um, there were also rumors that um, fetuses that were aborted, they used them as well. Whichever, she had a supply of babies for black mass, baby blood. Um, she had associates who worked for her during her black mass. Her lover, Adam Lesage, the magician. Uh -huh. Also, local priests and priestesses. Some who were lovers. Some who had debts to settle because they had used her services. Her fortune-telling or black magic services. Yeah, she really was running shit in Paris. Um, finally, she began selling poisons. Poisoning had been... It said poisoning had been perfected a few decades before, which threw me because in my head I was like, I just thought we could always poison people. Frequently, <laughs> it was perfected partially by a woman named Julia Tufana, who I think I'm going to do an episode on. Yeah, I know about her. Yeah, professional female poisoner in Italy, which is cool. Yeah. I also, um, side note, I read a book that was called Lady Killers. Yeah. That went through, like, 
lady serial killers, like, through the ears and everything. Um, and I focused a lot on, like, that time. Yeah, it's fun. Poisoning was very... It was all the rage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just like she had a network of abortion providers, she also had a network of poison providers. She had a finger in a lot of pies. She's, uh, she's really good at networking. Yes. She's got great people skills. Yeah. If you needed something, I think La Vosson could get it for you. So, um, the woman who kind of was her downfall, her name was Madame de Montespan. Montespan. I'll say Montespan. It makes it sound fancier. But I feel like that's close enough. In 1667, she arranged a black mass where she prayed for the love of the king. That year, she became official royal mistress to King Louis XIV. Subsequently, she would use La Voisson anytime she had a problem with the king. Anything was going on, she would go to her for fortune telling, for um, black magic. Um, in 1673, his interest began to wane. She hired La Voisson for several black masses. She also bought a love potion from her and drugged the king with it. In 1677, she claimed she would have him killed if he ever abandoned her. I don't know who she made this claim to. I think not him. Huh. Um, but in 1677, she claimed she would have him killed if he ever abandoned her. In 1679, he entered an affair with Angelique de Fontangeau. Angelique. He entered into an affair with Angelique. So Montespan came to La Vosson and asked to have the king and his new affair partner killed. Um... Uh, Lavoisan said no, but eventually she convinced her. She talked her into it. So she, our witch here, constructed a plan that involved three other poisoners. One was Catherine Trianon, who was a colleague, somebody named Bertrand, who I'd know nothing about, and Romani, who was her daughter's fiancé. So kind of family business. They decided the way they would do this is they would poison a petition, like an actual physical petition that somebody would hand him, which would then be delivered to his hands. The reason that they weren't going to make a poison he would ingest is because at this time, he was afraid of being poisoned and had been having servants taste testing his meals. And we're going to come back to that. So they were poisoning a petition which would be delivered to his hands. I think it's pretty smart. Um, March 5th, 1679, Lavosan visited the royal court to deliver the petition herself. However, too many petitioners showed up that day and the king didn't take any. When she returned home, she gave the petition to her daughter to burn, um, decided she needed a new plan. She planned to visit with Catherine Trianon, one of the other poisoners, after mass the next day, regular mass, not a black one, um, to plan their next attempt on the king's life. However, when she left mass the next day, she was arrested outside of church. So now we need to back up a couple years to see what went <laughs> And I'm going to tell you guys about, so I'm going to tell you guys about L'Affaire des Poisons, which translates to Affair of the Poisons. This was a huge scandal among the French aristocracy in the 1600s, in this time period. So back a couple years to 1675, a woman named Madame de Brinvilliers, I feel comfortable with that, Brinvilliers, was convicted in 1675 of poisoning her father and her two brothers in order to inherit their estates. Um, the reason they found this out is because her stupid lover, who was in on it. No, this is not Lavoisin. Oh, sorry. This is another. There's a lot of French names. Yeah, this is going to move us closer to Lavoisin. Okay. Um, this woman. Le croissant. 
Yes. This woman who killed her father and brothers, her, I'll say it again, stupid lover, who was in on the plan, when he died, he left behind letters detailing the plans. And they were found when he died. And people were like, he said that you killed your dad and your brother. So who is this one? Her name is Madame de Brinvier. Madame de France. Would you like me to spell it? Yeah. B-R-I-N-V-I-L-L-I-E-R. France. And then put Madame de in front of that. I got it. Okay. Um, so before she was killed, because she was convicted of this, she was tortured with the water cure, which is where they were forced to drink 16 pints of water, um, tortured with water cure, beheaded, and her body was burned at the stake. Her trial started rumors surrounding other mysterious deaths among the wealthy, her father, and they were a wealthy family. Uh, a nobility started becoming worried that they would be poisoned. Two years later, February 1677, Magdalene de la Grange was arrested on charges of forgery and murder. She told the Marquis of Louvaux that she had information about important crimes that had been happening. The Marquis told the king, King Louis XIV, who told the chief of the Paris police to root out the poisoners. Uh, subsequent investigation revealed witchcraft and murder running rampant in Paris. Fortune tellers and alchemists were rounded up who were suspected of selling poison. And they discovered that there was this whole network of poisoners and members of the French nobility were being poisoned. Uh, I just love the idea that people are just like poisoning people left. <laughs> yeah. Um, so these fortune tellers and alchemists were rounded up. Uh, they confessed under torture, which we have to look at little bit of a grain of salt, because you'll confess anything under torture. But they gave up their client lists who bought poison to kill spouses or rivals in the royal court. I'm pretty sure um, this was in My Lady's Keller's book. Yeah? Yeah, it's fun. Because the Madame Probably. Day, uh what is it? The Brinvier? Yeah, she sounds very familiar. Yeah. Um, and I remember in the Lady Killer's book, there was one chapter that was, like, going through this probably. the network of poisoners. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, this roundup led to the finger being pointed at a woman named Marie Bosset. Marie Bosset was then arrested in January 1679, so another two years down the road. She was the main rival of La Voisson in the fortune-telling poisoning network. Um, she pointed the finger at La Voisson, and that is why Voisson was arrested that day outside of church before she could enact another plan to kill the king. Now, when she was arrested, they didn't know, nobody knew that she had been planning to kill the king except the woman who hired her and the people she had in on it. So, like, this was not known. Um, she was arrested in March 1679, but was not tortured for information. She was the most famous arrest in the affair of the poisons. A formal order was issued giving permission for the use of torture, but it was also made clear that the order was not to be put into effect. And this is believed to be because she may have revealed the names of very influential people. Huh. Also, King Louis XIV gave the order that they should not pursue the abortion claims any further. I think that's interesting because I think that he had a couple ladies uh, who uh, maybe used those services. I mean, if you're the king and you impregnate some people. Yeah. Because it was, he gave the order for them to not pursue, which is why we don't know a whole lot of information about that particular network. 
Um, so she wasn't tortured. However, they did get information out of her. How did they do that, you ask? Yeah. Well, they kept her drunk. Oh, well. And uh, she started drinking. They just kept her drunk in jail. Apparently, she did have a little bit of an alcohol problem, and the investigators were like, we know how to work this. I feel like that should They took advantage of that. They should do that for, like, a lot. So, initially, she was angry that Marie Bosset had pointed the finger at her, and she claimed that she referred all of her clients to Marie Bosset. So, kind of just bouncing it back. I mean, like, I didn't do anything. She did it all. But eventually, she started naming some clients, and she admitted to selling poison to members of the royal court. She denied ever meeting Montespan, the woman, the king's official royal mistress who wanted him killed. Um, and she said, quote, Paris is full of this kind of thing, which seems to be true. Yeah. Um, the yeah. black masses, her connection to Montespan, the murder of the king, were not revealed until after her death. So none of that people found out about while she was alive. On February 17th, 1680, she was put on trial. She was convicted of witchcraft and sentenced to execution by burning. She mm. was executed publicly on February 22nd. And in July, her daughter revealed the connection to Montespan. I don't know why. My assumption is her daughter was also arrested in this affair of the poisons investigation and was tortured and gave it up. So here I mean, is a. I feel like I could see if they thought. She was a witch. They probably thought the daughter was, too. Yeah. yeah. And they weren't wrong. She was involved in this stuff. So here's a drawing of her. Huh. Yeah. So, that was Love Wilson, who I enjoyed learning about. That was indeed sinister. Yeah. And sarcastic? <laughs> what do you want me to say? Stop looking at me. I was just excited. I'm sorry. I was just trying to copy off of what you know what they say about imitation? No, what did they say? It's the sincerest form of flattery. Didn't you say last night that flattery was the sincerest form of flattery? You did. Yeah. yeah. Well, alrighty. I hope you guys enjoyed The Witches. Well, that was sinister. And we were sarcastic. And we hope you keep listening. Follow our Instagram at sinister underscore and underscore sarcastic for show updates. And we also post each episode with some photos. We are always looking for new, interesting show ideas, so if you have any folklore, true crime, or mysterious cases for us to cover, please feel free to DM us on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. If you're enjoying the show and want to purchase some merch to show your support, you can find a link on our Instagram. Bye!